Welcome to another episode of SharkBites.net, where we delve into issues of tech leadership in the public sector. Please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts or simply go to SharkBites.net. Here now is our host, Dr. Alan Shark, Executive Director of the Public Technology Institute, now a division of Fusion Learning Partners. Hi there, I'm Alan Shark, and welcome to another episode of SharkBytes.net. As you are probably aware, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And for the past decade, cyber has ranked as the number one concern among tech leaders in the public sector. No surprise. And that comes from rankings of surveys that we have done at the Public Technology Institute, as well as our sister organization, the National Association of State CIOs. This is number one. It tracks so closely together. And while that may not have changed, um, what has changed is the threat landscape. So today we are very fortunate to have Nikki Milburn, who is the CISO of Franklin County in Ohio. I appreciate you for having me. Thanks. So just to set the stage, you know, looking at your background, uh, you've been the chief information security uh, officer for about um, two plus years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you were also before that director of information security. So you had three years before that. So in a sense, your position has been safeguarding uh, cyber type issues for quite a number of years, over five mm-hmm. years. You've been a senior security engineer. Uh, for L Brands, um, you have been uh, with Nationwide Insurance, so you've been on the private side, um, and you have two uh, community college degrees. And of course, that's what mm-hmm. gave me my start. You yeah. have one uh, in uh, business administration and management, which is great. I do as well. Uh, and you have one in microcomputing. But most impressive is that you have three certifications when it comes to cyber, and that's probably Mm -hmm. the most important that you have in your field. You're a certified chief information security officer by the EC Council. Uh, You are also certified by ASACA, and you're also certified by CISP. So with that, once again, uh, we welcome you. This is a very timely discussion. Mm -hmm. It bothers me that we use this opportunity to reawaken and remind people of the importance. And this should never be once a month. It should be continuous. I'm sure you agree. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we always start um, these discussions, Nikki, with how did you get a start? You know, um, I assume that there was a curiosity somewhere that uh, sparked your imagination having to do with tech. Could it be school, a teacher, parents, others? You know, what was it that got you to where you are today? It's actually kind of interesting. When I came out of high school, we did not have a ton of exposure because I went to a rural high school at the time. And when I graduated, my intent was to be an FFA agricultural science teacher. Ooh. Was my original goal when I got out of high school. And then over the summer, I started working part-time. And it was taking phone orders using a computer system. Turns out I am not the best salesperson on the planet. Um, And rightfully so. They're like, but you do really, really well with the computers. You're able to find things. You're able to make recommendations on how to make it easier for people to use. So they moved me over onto the back end of the tech side. Hmm. So it was kind of by fluke. But then once I got there, I really loved it. I enjoyed it. It made sense to me. So that part of it was huge. It was like, oh, I, I can do this. 
And then from there, it was just as technology evolved. And then PCI SOCs came along and I was responsible for a system that actually held PCI data. So when I started securing that and looking at the identity side of it, it's like, okay, this also clicks with me. And it's something I care deeply about. So from there, it was just continuing through the security journey to get here. So it was kind of by fluke. Uh, most of uh, the interviews <laughs> I have, it's like that, myself included. So we can identify yeah. with that. So you spent your first formal years in the private sector. Mm -hmm. um, what was it that attracted you to the public sector? Because there's some pluses, but there are also some challenges. There are. So in security, it's not often you get the opportunity to actually go to an organization and truly build out a security program. They're typically already established and you're kind of stepping into someone else's shoes following the path that they already set. Coming into the public sector, it was, I have the ability and opportunity to design something big and something that can have a meaningful impact on the community by doing this. So that was kind of what drew me into the position was not only is there the professional opportunity that doesn't come along very often, but it's also the opportunity to give back and build something that has significant community ramifications associated with it. If we don't do our job well, they don't have access to services. And that's critical. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So you heard me refer to all these surveys that have shown cybersecurity has been number one for well over a decade. And so let's bring that break that down a little bit. What are your biggest concerns when it comes to cybersecurity as it relates to what you do in your county? Biggest concerns related to cyber, obviously the threat, scanscape, threat landscape changes all the time. I can't change that. But what I can change is our preparedness for are we hardening systems the way we should be? Are we getting in front of users and educating them in the, in the best way possible, not only for what it means to be an employee, but what does it mean to be a citizen? These are things you should be considering as a person who interacts with IT all the time. Or kind of bringing those examples of, okay, you have a bank account, you have MFA, that's to protect you. Why would you not do the same at work? So it's kind of the same concept. So getting in front of that and um, ensuring that I have properly trained staff. So as the landscape changes and the threats get different, our skill set has to change and morph as well. Not all of cybersecurity has the same skill set. Some are really high in communications because we have to get that agency buy-in. We have to do the education. We have to make it relevant. Others will go super deep on the server side, network side. That's what we need. You need to have uh, kind of a gamut of skills that you can draw upon based on the needs. So keeping those tools sharp is huge for me and for my team is making sure that I'm providing training and development opportunities so that we can stay ahead or at least in sight of that threat landscape as it changes. And obtaining resources is probably important mm -hmm. to achieve those goals. Have you been successful? Do you feel good about the amount of support, mostly financial that you get? I do. I, I feel really good. I feel that I'm very fortunate to be at Franklin County and to have the backing that we do from the electeds, the commissioners, uh, the data center. Across the county, there, there is a desire to be secure and to ensure that their services are offered to the community so they do see true value in what we do. So we do garner a lot of support that way. 
it takes a lot of conversations to get there though. (laughs) I know. And I asked that question knowing the answer, but I wanted to hear it from you. I would never (laughs) ask somebody that question (laughs) because that could, oh, it's terrible. I get no support. Um, And we do hear those stories, but I would say that uh, Franklin County, I'm very aware of it, how it operates. It's probably one of the better run counties in the the whole country. Um, They take all this seriously. So you're very, very fortunate in two ways. They're Mm -hmm. fortunate to have you and the professionalism Mm -hmm. that you bring to it, but it it works both ways. So because Mm -hmm. this is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, you know, Mm -hmm. it used to be 10 years ago that it was the CIO or somebody else before there really was a recognition of a full-time CISO. Mm -hmm. And it was always looked upon the well, cyber is that person over there. It's their responsibility. And I think there has been a gradual shift. Um, the gradual part was not our preference. It's taken a while to change, I think, some minds and some attitudes that this is a whole of government type approach. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to awareness, you talked about making sure your staff is aware of the latest in terms of the threat landscape. You're also uh, you're charged with challenging your entire workforce in a sense to make sure they remain in compliance. So have you found that to be a challenge? Are you finding more willing people to take the programs that you offer to make them more aware on an ongoing basis? I think there's a definite willingness there. And obviously the more breaches you see in the news, the more willingness we get for people to take part. Um, but I would say overall, there is a willingness there. There are times where it's like, boy, that's going to add a lot of complexity. We have to go back and rebuild this. It's going to take us more time and effort. But once you actually start to boil it down, it's really not that much more time and effort to do this the right way and ensuring that it has security at the beginning and being able to have relationships with the vendors for them to understand this is what it means to be secure at my county. We may not operate the same as everyone else, but this is what it means. These are the things that I'm held accountable for. So this is what I expect. And being able to go back and check on that and make sure that it is being implemented in the right way. Um, So I'd say it actually works out pretty well. We have a lot of support and uh, conversations. The biggest thing is being able to communicate and explain, here's the risk that you're running by this. And I don't just mean the cyber risk associated with it, but actually bringing it back and saying, this is the risk to your business. This is what it means. If this server is not available and it's running on legacy tech, that means this to whomever you support. So if it's the 911 system, people can't call 911. That's a problem. (laughs) If you look at each of the agencies, these are what's critical to you. What does it mean if these servers are not running? If this network is not available, what would that mean to you? And have them understand the functional risk associated with it. This is what it really means. It's not just ransomware or, oh, there's malware. That's bad. No, this is the bigger conversation you need to have with people for them to understand it and realize how to make it relevant. You know, you talk about uh, messaging, which is so important to make it real (laughs) for them. You know, I do a lot of traveling and I don't know about you, every time I'm in an airplane and they remind me how to fasten a, a seatbelt, it's like, <laughs> haven't we passed this yet? And, you know, I just tune out and I know that 99% of the passengers, unless you're flying for the first time, um, you know, we're not reading the safety cards. Uh, we're hearing the same thing in the same monotone voice. How do you keep it live? In other words, In some cases, some counties and some cities, you know, when they talk about cybersecurity awareness, it's an annual program. Oh, you must take an annual course. For me, 
as a uh, public employee of a university, I have to take a course once a year. It's a pain, but I do that once a year. And to me, it's like, well, that's nice. What about the rest of the year? Um, how do you address that in terms of keeping it fresh and keeping this in front of people on an ongoing basis? Is this an internal program that you have? Or I know many uh, in your capacity have turned outside uh, providers and and no names should be mentioned here, but is it a combination or is most of your uh, work uh, in cybersecurity awareness internal or a combination of both? Uh, most of it is internal. We do have a solution we use for our annual training because that is something you cannot avoid. You can't get out of it. Most everything yes. requires that you do annual yeah. cybersecurity awareness training. We do that. Right. It automatically deploys to any new hire that comes into the county. As soon as you have credentials on my network, it launches straight to you. So you do have to do that. Mm -hmm. We also, during Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we uh, launch a campaign where there's different topics for each week. There's posters. Uh, we have an internal portal. We'll be putting information there to get it in front of employees as well. Uh, every month, I do a security update during our board meetings. And then we also have a what we call a tech roundtable, which is pulling other IT uh, people from around the county and the different agencies and talking to them about security. Here's where we're at. Here's the roadmap. Here's the vision. And this is how we've been executing on it. Uh, so it, we try to do it quite frequently and it, have it out there of here's what we're working on and this is what it means to you. That this is what it means to you is probably the most important part about it. Yeah. Is for people to understand that particular piece of it. Sure. I know some counties and cities are are kind of just now experimenting with programs that actually reach out into the public itself in terms of arming citizens, making them more aware. Uh, are you involved in any such efforts? Uh, we don't have any program officially set up for that yet. Uh, have I addressed a few agencies when they've had uh, large meetings with people? Uh, I think Public Health has, uh, Vets Association, Office on Aging, where they will do an outreach type thing where we will take part in that as well. Cool. But nothing completely with rigor associated with it of we're going to do this this month, this the next month. We don't have anything like that. It's kind of as needed right now. Yeah. And I certainly understand that. I mean, if, if you had nothing better to do, then that would be a nice thing to do. And I'm sure you recognize that. But mm -hmm. it's like you're quite busy with what you have on your plate as it is. So let me uh, turn to, you know, one of the latest buzzwords, zero trust. Uh, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody a citizen, a very engaged citizen, and they noted the irony as I did, you know, here we are, we're talking about government being open, transparent, mm -hmm. and now suddenly we're not trusting anybody. And <laughs> so the word, and I've written about zero trust is not the best choice of terms for the public sector, but on a technical level, it makes sense yep. when we know the internet was designed with a very different in, in, intent when everybody was friendly, everybody knew each other. Um, but what does that mean to you, number one? And number two, how is that applied in yeah, terms absolutely. of your roadmap and what you're planning with the county? Absolutely. It, it has impacted the road, roadmap significantly. So uh, as we're keeping up with the landscape, that's not just a threat, but the uh, the whole IT landscape and there's the migration to the cloud. This vendor offers this service. This one offers this as a service. How are we harnessing that? I no longer have the network as my boundary. When people went remote work, you can access services without ever touching the county network. So now I'm reliant on your device. Are you using our device? Or are you not? How am I integrating with that cloud and the other cloud and all of these other vendors that are providing SaaS hosted solutions? So zero trust actually comes into play. We have no boundaries. Mm -hmm. So you're doing that step up off where you can and know that, hey, this doesn't make sense. 
why is this person in Tokyo right now, but an hour ago, they were in Columbus? Time doesn't mix. Okay, let's throw up an authentication thing. See, do a hard block for the moment. Inconvenient. Educational opportunity um, to work with someone. So it it truly does have meaning and definitely relevant in today's um, environment. I agree the name's probably not the best, especially when you apply it to public sector. That is probably the worst name we want to. Yeah. But as a strategy, it conceptually makes sense. I have used that and the five pillars and then the three cross cuts. I've used that to kind of build out my next three to five year roadmap. What that actually does is helps others hold me accountable. I've socialized this roadmap. It has went in front of the entire data center. They've heard about it. They know this is what I'm tracking in each of the pillars for the next few years. That gives finance a heads up of, oh gosh, she's going to come back asking for money in this year, or she's going to ask for headcount at this time. We need to start talking to other people, but it's also hold me accountable for my success. If I say this is what we're going to do in this year, you now have a roadmap that says you said you were going to do this. Where's it at? If the team did it and they killed it, that's fantastic. So you've trusted me a little bit. Now I want to move on to that next step, or you know, this is where I'm going. So it's kind of foundational. Um, I've talked about it quite a bit, garnered a lot of support, have been able to add new positions based on that kind of strategy going forward. Um, Because a lot of times you get the, well, what are they going to do when they're done with that project? Like, this isn't a project. Mm -hmm. This is not just a once and done. This is an evolving thing that's going to keep happening. I get through the next two years. That roadmap still has to keep going out five years. So it's a continuous cycle. I refine it a little bit as it gets closer. So it has played a huge, huge role in us securing the headcount and resources that we need in the coming year. And we're going to come to that. But I want to stay with Zero Trust for another minute here. Mm -hmm. And that is, you talked about the pillars. Some people have said, well, it's nothing more than a a term, but it's really all about identity management, making sure that someone is who they say they are. But there really is more to it than that, isn't there? I think there is. <laughs> I, I, I think there is. Identity definitely plays a huge role. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is the only way you're truly going to validate and say this person is. Mm-hmm. But they had to come through on a device. Are you looking at that? They came through your network. You need that rich data coming from these other areas to be able to make that decision of should I question this identity or not? So once you start work looking at it and saying, boy, I need all of this telemetry from this endpoint to be able to make any intelligent decision. Okay, well, now I got to go down the device path. I have to mature this. I have to make sure I'm running EDR, XDR, the right antivirus, the right patching solutions. How do I know what this thing is doing? Is it logging to the SIM, hitting the cross cuts? Your network, you need that same data coming in that says, boy, they're coming from here. That's really odd. They hit VPN. They didn't hit VPN. So when you start cross cutting this and you start looking at it, it's all of these feed. Identity is a key role. Yeah, But everything has to play together for you to get that whole picture you need to make an educated decision. I love it. That's a beautiful explanation because <laughs> in a sense, it's what you want to know the forensics of that transaction. Mm-hmm. It is all about the transaction. And a quick aside question, mm-hmm. one of the weakest points of all of this is the darn password. I mean, we still see people <laughs> putting in, oh, yes. now we need eight. Oh, okay. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, because I'll never forget that kind of like, do you think five years from now, we will have gotten past passwords and and stay with biometrics and other combinations? I am a fan of biometrics. That's a lot harder to to spoof. I I truly am. I think until you actually get regulations in line to where they drop 
that you have to have a password of this strength and it must be rotated this often until you actually get those uh, regulation authorities in line with that of biometrics is better. Here's how we're doing it. Here's how we're managing it. And not be stuck on the rigid of, well, it must be eight characters. It's got to move to 15. It's got to be 14. It's got to be this. It can't be these. Biometrics, that, that's kind of your easy way out. But yeah. you have to be willing to negotiate that and say that, okay, this is the bare minimum, not the be all end all. Right. If I'm surpassing that, you can let that slide. But I have to show you evidence. Granted, I own that. I have to show you evidence that I'm surpassing the control you're asking me for. Mm-hmm. Once I do that meets your requirement. So I I think we'll be a little bit before we get regulations in line to be able to do away with it. But it's, it's going to happen. I think so. I think so too. It's too hard for people to remember passwords. I I hate to say it. Password fatigue is a real thing. And especially when you want people to kind of layer it and say, okay, these are your most important things. This is your bank account, how you do things. It should be this long. You should change it this often. Okay. This one, this is your grocery store. You have nothing tied to it. You're just yeah. looking at your coupons. Okay, yeah. that doesn't get the same level right. <laughs> that everything yeah. else does. No, it's a very intelligent approach. Getting back now to zero trust is a companion piece, I think, and that is the buzz about artificial intelligence. <laughs> because what you pointed out so well, you really did a good job of articulating the fact that zero trust is more than just identity management. That may be the heart of it, but Ooh. it's the nature of the transaction, when, where, all those forensic kind of things and we're looking for anomalies and we're looking for patterns. We're looking at reading logs and something that humans used to do. Um, but there's been a lot of, uh, I think, more than just talk. There are some solutions out there today that utilize AI. And I'd like to get mm-hmm. your thoughts about that, both where we're going and what's going on now. I think it's like anything. It can be a positive and a negative. Okay. If used in the right way, this could absolutely be a positive. Uh, We have implemented one solution that does use AI when it's looking at our internal email. It's looking at that east-west traffic and it it learns patterns. Um, Adam and I, we we chat back and forth through email. If he ever calls me Nicole, that would be a red flag. That's not my name. So it would red flag that, kind of quarantine it and say, this looks suspicious. It does that kind of intuitive thought, but it takes AI to learn it and actually understand what's normal behavior, what's abnormal behavior. The same could go for any of the other solutions we use. But then AI can be a business enabler. It can make the business more efficient. For us, it's how do we make sure that they're doing it in a secure manner, that it's actually behaving the way that it should be? Uh, When do we need to throw the alarm of like, hey, hey, we need you guys to back off this for a minute. Give us some time to do a little more due diligence on what you're trying to accomplish here. But as an enabler, it could be huge. To be able to chat with someone in a time when they need services or they need help and we don't have people available, if AI is smart enough and correct, it has to be correct. So I think it's definitely, it has a place. It will have a place and whatever comes along after AI will also have a place. It's just how do we harness it for good and then try to slow it in its tracks when it's being used in a nefarious manner. Because you can easily use it to create uh, simulated messages for phishing. Pretty easy one to do based on social media and what you have out there about you. Boy, I could get a really targeted social engineering attack going with AI. Well, even innocent things. Uh, One of the previous podcasts, I I interviewed both Alexa and ChatGPT. And I got it to talk by, you know, doing text to speech. And I asked them, what do they know about me? 
and 50% was absolutely wrong. So, um, mm -hmm. and I thought, where did this stuff come from? I mean, really wrong stuff, law degree. I don't have a law degree. Um, other things that were flattering, but totally untrue. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. They're still making it up, but this Who's is validating. only the third or fourth. Yeah, there's only this is only the third and fourth generation, and they're they're while we're sleeping at night, they're still learning. So mm -hmm. I I have to think about okay, what about generation seven, generation eight? Um, I think the race is on, and they're I think they're going to be ahead if we're not careful. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about all this, it still comes down to people. It's people mm -hmm. who make mistakes. Ninety percent of the threats. Uh, actually come from carelessness. I didn't know, I didn't mean to do this or something like yeah. that. Um, but it also means keeping and attracting staff. And one of the things that we hear, and it was not even on our top 10 survey results uh, until the last three years when, and it was even before COVID, so maybe four years, when suddenly localities started to have a real problem keeping people because they can mm -hmm. make so much more in the private sector um, and motivating people on staff. I mean, are you having uh, difficulties expanding because of um, people not willing to go into the public sector? Or are you pretty fortunate because of the great reputation that uh, Franklin County enjoys? I, I think we have our challenges. Okay. Uh, we, we do have a good reputation. We work with a lot of different areas our most valuable recruiting tool is an internal referral. Yes. Anytime an internal referral comes in, it's like, yes, we need to talk to this person. They they kind of know what they're getting into. They know enough about it. Clearly they're driven. Um, so that part of it is one that we use quite often is internal referrals. I'm not going to say we don't have challenges. I mean, we're right in the heart of Ohio. We have data centers coming in left and right all around us. We also have your big private ones around us. We have Nationwide sitting here. We have Chase. We have uh, varying insurance companies. I think Bread Financial, Huntington. You just look around. They're all right there at 270 and we're in the middle of it. So we're competing yeah. with the big boys of, hey, we have, they have unlimited funds and they have first, first stab at the resources. But I will say the staff that we do have is very dedicated in what they do and find passion in that of I am able to fulfill goals and enable agencies to meet their missions to the community. There is a sense of fulfillment with that. Are you able to uh, break from the uh, the traditions of civil service thinking, meaning that, you know, we've heard from a lot of localities that uh, we are unable to pay them what they're worth because we have to stay within certain pay scales and not recognize specializations. Even the federal government now mm -hmm. is recognizing technology as a specialization uh, that requires more resources. Are you able to be flexible in the packages you offer your employees? Uh, when it comes to that, yeah. As far as pay of, are they engineer level? Are they analyst level? Do they work in security? Do they work in infrastructure? Are yeah. they a PM? So within the data center itself, we do have the different job roles and kind of bands applied that are appropriate for those job roles. And when we go to post, our HR team is fantastic and they're going out and they're baselining. Are we in line with where we should be for the oh. skills that we're asking for? So I mad kudos to our HR team for being able to have that diligence and talk to us to understand what we're looking for, to be able to find the right candidate for the right salary to bring them in. So we do have some flexibility there on how we can go on it. Now, obviously we can't go crazy above, right? Um, but we do have some flexibility there. We're not traditional where everybody must be in the office every day. We run a hybrid model and it mm -hmm. works for us. 
my team in particular, they're in the office two days a week and they're remote three. Okay, and if we have large meetings or something like that come up uh, where we need to do serious collaboration, they may be called in, which is absolutely fine. But running the hybrid model has also allowed us to attract uh, some candidates as well. Those who are like, I like being remote, but I also want to interact. I want to feel like I'm part of a team. I want to feel like I'm part of something bigger and then come in and that they'll meet with the infrastructure team or they'll meet with our app dev partners when we're in office. So it, it really is kind of the best of both worlds. You're secluded enough, but you also get that interaction you need as a person. Okay, you are the envy of most listeners right now who are <laughs> pounding their fists and their heads against the desk somewhere saying, why can't we be like that? But at least there's hope. I mean, mm -hmm. doing it right is uh, is good. Um, we applaud you uh, for what you have been able to accomplish. <laughs> and I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, share uh, some of the things that you're doing and, and look forward to uh, continuing the discussion uh, over the uh, next few months and the next few years. Again, Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a great way to start Cybersecurity Awareness Month. We've been listening to Nikki Milburn, who is the CISO, three times over, certified by three different organizations uh, from Franklin County in Ohio. So we look forward to seeing you at another episode of SharkBytes.net. In the meantime, as I always close, I like to say, please be safe digitally and personally.